Haven interviews are all about capturing people's diverse passions and special skill sets. Bob Garlick and Andrew McGivern chat with local and international specialists to find out what they do and why they do it. Hey everybody, it's Bob here again, and it's another Maven interview. I have my co-host Andrew on the line, and we have a great guest for us today. Andrew, who is on the show? Well, we've got one of the top dogs here in the comic industry, and his name is Jeff Ellis, and he's the president of Cloudscape uh, Comics here in Vancouver, and uh, he's also listed as their chief cat herder, so we'll have to ask him about that. He's uh, writing a couple books on uh, teaching English in Japan and working on a graphic novel and uh, sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Jeff, we called you kind of a top dog in the comic book industry. Is that, a, is that, an, over, is that an exaggeration of your position in the real world? Uh, well, I, I, I feel like it is because... <laughs> um, because he's modest. Oh. Well, thank you. Yes, a little and bit. Humble. And I've, uh, I've also, um, if you look at Vancouver, we've got a lot of artists in town who are uh, working for Image Comics, and uh, some are even working for Marvel Comics. So, I mean, relatively speaking, I'm, um, I'm probably a little bit of a smaller fish in the, in the, in the ocean of comics in Vancouver. Uh, how did you get into comics? Um, well, I guess uh, I've almost been into comics my whole life. Mm. Um, it's, it's funny, even as a child, um, I, my dad used to just bring home these um, like sheets of paper stapled together. They were, they were old math tests. He was a math teacher. And I would just use the backs of them to draw. But every time I drew a picture, the next picture would be the next thing that happened. So everything was kind of a sequence of events in pictures. Hmm. And I didn't, didn't know I was doing comics at the time, but I was. And, uh, and then, yeah, when I was about 12, I started reading Spider-Man. And that just kind of solidified it all. Hmm. Um, you spent some time in Japan? Yeah, yeah, I was there for uh, two and a half years. Um, I, uh, after I graduated college, I sort of spent um, uh, like a year looking for work and I couldn't, couldn't really get my foot in the door so- anywhere. So I uh, just decided to sort of take uh, what, I, what I said to people was a sabbatical. And I, <laughs> uh, I, I applied online at, um, uh, through, it was, I think, Dave's ESL Cafe and I ended up uh, getting, connecting with a place called Peppy's Kids Club. And they had a hiring office in Vancouver, and they actually turned out to be not quite as dodgy as you would think a place called Peppy's Kids Club would be. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they uh, flew me over there and did my training, and I got to um, yeah live and work there for you know, two and a half years. Hmm. Now, w- with Japan being such a comic-centric society, um, did you feel that you were in comic book heaven, or what were... Did you get involved with comics at all when you were there? Um, you know, it's an interesting question because, uh, like, that's the first thing people will say when I mention that I was in Japan is they'll say, oh, like, there are so many comics there. You must have just, like, gone crazy for manga. But um, I, I was, like, never a big fan of manga, mm. but even before I left for Japan. And um, the, all the comics that were there are written in Japanese. So that was a bit of a barrier, actually. Um, I actually got more excited when I could find North American comics in Japan. Mm. Um, I mean, that being said, I would, I would always grab like the, um, telephone book mangas that were being discarded <laughs> on the trains yeah, uh, just to look at the art. Um, 
but uh, I actually kind of look at that those two and a half years as my my break from comics. I sort of had been trying to be um, like a, a penciler for Marvel when I was in my early twenties, and and then when I went to Japan, I just didn't really make comics. I actually spent a lot of time painting, and um, it was only when I came back to Vancouver that I kind of rekindled my interest in comics. Did you learn any Japanese when you were there yourself? Uh, you know, I did. I actually studied uh, Japanese for um, about a year in Vancouver before I left. And so that gave me a leg up. And I sort of um, uh, just used that to build off of. And uh, by the end of my time, I was, I was pretty fluent. I actually was pretty proud of myself for, um, like, uh, there's a few times where I was able to just sit down and really have a, a proper conversation with someone who is Japanese. That's pretty impressive, actually. It's a tricky language. Oh, it's a yeah, very Bob, tricky language. Bob, uh, Bob, Bob can speak a little bit of Japanese. Oh, squishy. Oh. Yeah, squishy. Squishy, squishy. What about you, Mo? Bye, let's have each other. Ah, so good, Jozu. That's like every Japanese person's response. Exactly. Saying anything in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a huge vocabulary, but I had an outstanding accent, so everybody thought I was fluent. Yeah, uh, you know, someone worked really hard with me in Vancouver to improve my accent, and I think that was the same thing with me. Just you say one word, but you'd say it properly, and then people just assume that you have your like doctorate in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I spoke English with a really bad Japanese accent, and it really helped them understand my English too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a Jedi trick. <laughs> that, that was something I had to train myself out of once I came back because everyone commented on how I had this really weird accent uh, <laughs> when I came back from Japan because I was kind of over-enunciating and sort of almost intentionally mispronouncing words just because I was so used to doing that to make my English understood. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, and this is a tough question, how do you define comics? Because, you know, when people say a comics, they're, they're, it's such a wide spectrum uh, as, as a medium, as an art medium. Um, have you, do you define it a little bit more succinctly or is it, do you consider that a huge body of styles? Oh, um, well, I mean, like, uh, at least if, 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 if part of that question is like, is manga part of comics? Uh, absolutely. Like, I think. I just see comics as any kind of uh, visual communication uh, of a story, you know, like it doesn't even necessarily need to include words. I think as long as you're conveying a story or an idea with sequential pictures, you're making comics. Mm. You know, when I was younger, I used to watch uh, or read a lot of uh, Doonesbury and uh, with Uncle Duke and stuff like that. And by reading that, I was pretty switched on with what, with what was going on politically in the states back in those times, and and I would have these in depth conversations with people, and they say, "Wow, you know, you must be studying the states a lot." I said, "No, I I just read Doonesbury because it's it's really amazing." And I remember the first time I heard about uh, melanoma for um, skin cancer and how you shouldn't be out in the sun and you should use sunblock through that comic, and uh, that's when I stopped really going and trying to get a tan every summer. Oh, wow. So, uh, and that's like way back because I'm an old bugger. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about Cloudscape and, and what's going on in the scene here in Vancouver. 
Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, Cloudscape uh, is a nonprofit society in the city. It's been around for about seven years, and um, we are, um, I guess, dedicated to promoting uh, comic art in the city. So we connect with different comic book artists, and we um, try to promote those artists. And the number one way we do that is by printing anthologies, uh, which are short story collections. So all our books are collections of short stories by different um, artists from uh, the lower mainland. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's sort of come a long way from where it started. Um, we, uh, we weren't officially a society in, until about three years ago. We used to just meet up uh, kind of like a, informally at coffee shops and, uh, and, and sort of it's just sort of been a snowball effect since it started, just kind of each year getting a little bigger and getting more people and uh, just increasing um, our level of quality. Well, how, how many of these anthologies have you guys put out? We did a book a year, so um, it's seven books. Wow. Yeah. Um, the first one, it's funny, I still have a few copies of the first one. It's, it's, that first book was um, printed locally at like just kind of a, an overnight print place. Um, it was almost more like a glorified photocopier. And um, it had about nine artists. And it was just a floppy book with um, a really nice cover drawn by Angela Mellick, but, uh, you know, I think inside, uh, you can see the roughness in a lot of the, the work. Like, I mean, I'd say there were some standout stories, but it, uh, it definitely just, I mean, even as far as my ability to design it, I, it just didn't quite have the same strength as if you were to stack that up to our new book, um, waterlogged, which is, I've got about 20 to 25 artists and, uh, has uh, black and blue ink on the inside and has a hardcover, um, uh, with lay flat binding and just, I don't know, to me, like the, the design quality, the story quality, all that stuff is just, we've come so far. It's just astounds me to see kind of our humble beginnings. Hmm. So on, on your website, you've got a, a comics 101 section with tutorials from Cloudscape members, uh, introduction to graphic novels, uh, how to create comics in four easy steps and so on and so forth. Uh, sounds like um, you're compiling the skills of all the, the members of the society and creating a resource for anyone who's interested. That's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, the website is, um, that's kind of our number, our number one thing with the website is we want to use that as a, uh, something that can let people connect um, to the community more. So when an event happens in town, we try to post it and we put a lot of those tutorials up to hopefully um, help people that are just starting so that if they're interested in, in making comics or getting better at their comics, they can maybe use that as a resource. Um, we, we, we also do Wednesday uh, meetings. So uh, every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. we have a meetup and uh, any, anyone can come and join. And, and if you're new and you want maybe to get a critique or you want some advice on how to get something started, um, we're, we're we're more than happy to, to help you out. And uh, it's been actually even uh, easier for us to do these meetings now that we have our new uh, studio space in South Memorial Park. I wanted to ask you a technical question. What comes first, the writing, the story, or the artwork? Oh, um, well, I mean, I, I'd say the story, the writing. Um, in fact, my friend Angela did a, a talk on making comics 
at uh, Opus uh, Art Store once, and I, I sat in on it. And the first thing she said was, "Story is king," and she had a little little picture of a story king that she she <laughs> she put up. And I thought it was very cute. And I afterwards asked her if I could have it, and I actually keep that tacked up in front of my my drafting table because uh, I, I think that she's absolutely right. It's you know the story is the first thing, especially with with comics because. You're not just drawing a pretty picture. You're telling a story with pictures. And, you know, uh, if you look at, uh, like, something like dinosaur comics or um, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, like, I'm sure there's some comics out there that are just stick figures. And, you know, those uh, can be successful uh, despite the maybe shortcomings of the art. It's the storytelling. It's like the, the, the jokes or, like, the, the plot is what, is what sucks people in. You know, so you don't have to be a brilliant artist, um, but you do have to be a brilliant storyteller. And it's also the the story is written in a different style because, you know, you look at some of the comic books that are out there, um, there's not a lot of writing involved. So do you write the whole story and then rip out all the descriptors and replace that with images? How, what's that process like? Well, I mean, lots of people work in different ways. Um, I, I know that um, a lot of people will do like a full script and they'll write it more like a movie script. So they'll write the descriptors and they'll write the um, the dialogue and um, take it from there. Uh, I've actually, I use a bit of a different method. Um, I tend to uh, basically just do a storyboard. So I will like draw little squares with, with scenes and I'll do the speech balloons, the dialogue in it. And, um, I'll just kind of go panel to panel and uh, afterwards I'll sort of sort that out and figure out how many of those panels would fit on a single page and sort of re- restructure the pages based on the, the storyboard. Um, and I know that um, some people really don't like that method. So um, like uh, I've, uh, I've had like um, my friend uh, Kevin, uh, Forbes, who's like edited me in some of the other Cloudscape books, um, he just hates the way I work because um, you're you're committing to these like um, scenes and dialogue, and you're you're drawing them out, even though it's really rough. And uh, he prefers scripts because you can just go in and like you can eliminate you know three pages just by highlighting a bunch of words and pushing delete, and then you can rewrite that scene. Uh, where with mine, you have to kind of like start drawing more boxes with little little doodles inside of it um, but I don't know to me like I I just I find scripting in that like writing it out is, is more difficult where I like to just visually just hash it out Andrew yeah I'm just uh, I was looking up your um, iTunes listing here oh uh, connecting the BC comics community since 2007 how has your podcast done in, in helping to promote um, your your society and or, or raising awareness for your brand? Oh, um, well, the podcast is a really new thing, um, and I, I'm not sure uh, how successful it is right now. Uh, Ed Ed Appleby's been managing most of that, but um, I know like. Uh, I, I've got a lot of positive feedback from people locally, so I think it is definitely um, getting us some attention. And I know some of the, the topics people found really informative, and that was really helpful to them. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, uh, I mean, I think that was why we started the podcast in the first place was we wanted to, um, uh, like put some of these conversations that happen at our meetings up, uh, for, you know, people to consume, uh, you know, through in podcast form. And, uh, I know most, most, uh, of my, most of the people in Cloudscape tend to listen to podcasts when they work. So, uh, mm. we just figured this would be another very appropriate podcast for people to maybe put on while they're inking. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be what most people do when they're inking is they put a podcast on. Yeah, it's a perfect opportunity to uh, to listen to something that you're interested in. You've got past the infamous seven episodes already, so you're you're doing good. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't I didn't know seven was the key number there. So yeah, the most uh, most podcasts fade before they hit episode seven. So if you can make it past episode seven, then you're you're, you're not doing too bad. Yeah, suddenly. Okay, well, I'll I'll tell Ed to put put a rush on the next one. <laughs> Yeah, suddenly you'll have 200. <laughs> uh, now, there are some great uh, comic book um, people out there. Uh, I'm thinking of Art Spiegelman as one of the, the greats. Um, they've basically taken the concept of a comic book of a Saturday or a Sunday a newspaper funnies to literature level. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of when that actually happened? And when did when did comics come out of the not so serious to the serious? I mean, I think a lot of people would say that it started with Spiegelman with with Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was the only one to win a Pulitzer, and they had to change all the rules to make sure that mistake wouldn't happen again. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I mean, at, at the same time, there's a lot of stuff happening in the '80s, like uh, Alan Moore. Uh, you know, was writing. Uh, some really amazing stuff in Swamp Thing. And that even, uh, I think, won a, a science fiction or a horror prize, mm. uh, which, once again, they had to change the rules to make sure that a comic book wouldn't win that again. Um, and then, uh, you know, around then you had uh, The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. And so just, like, a lot of um, work was sort of... Uh, a lot more challenging work was coming out, not just... Um, from the big publishers, but I think around then, you know, you saw a much more bigger movement in the small press. So, um, you know, while, while DC was, you know, starting to create the Vertigo imprint for their more adult themed and more, I don't know, intellectual comic book stories, um, you know, Marvel was uh, doing Epic and uh, you, you saw a lot more small press coming out with, um, you know, Cerebus with Dave Sim and, uh, you know, even though it's maybe not super intellectual, uh, like, Eastman and Laird uh, were doing Ninja Turtles and proving that you could, you know, publish your work without necessarily being part of Marvel or DC. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say like it sort of, um, I'd say it seemed like around the 80s um, is when things really started to, to shift a little more. Um, I mean, that being said, I think like uh, comics have... Um, you know, evolved a lot and there still is a lot, a long way to go because, um, you know, the, the media itself still mostly is regarded by the superheroes and the, the independent and the small press stuff still tends to be a little more tucked away in the corners. Um, and it's changing. I think there's more stuff coming out. Um, it seems like a lot of the, the, the non-superhero stuff that gets attention now is the things that are on web comics and, um, and so that's that's sort of the new 
new wave of comics, but a lot of those are still structured around that Sunday comic um, sort of style, like a gag a week. Um, so I, I'd be really curious to see if like some of the eBooks um, that are coming out now might be able to draw a little more attention to some serious um, dramatic storytelling in comics that's uh, outside of like your Marvel and DC and also outside of that, um, you know, that typical like Sunday comic gag a week kind of style and just see like a really serious narrative um, put out by someone, um, you know, independent of having like a major publisher behind them. Hey, Bob, you had a book, uh, it was a business book that was um, written in comic comic form. You said it was really good. Do you you remember the title? Yeah, it was called uh, Commitment. It was uh, out of... uh Europe. It was written by uh, two uh, guys that specialize in, in, in helping companies uh, build themselves and, and manage their staff and stuff. And then they uh, collaborated with a comic book uh, artist out of uh, London, England. And so, okay. it was, yeah, very, very interesting. It was designed specifically for people that don't have enough time to read uh, a, you know, a 300-page uh, book instructional book and uh it was very very interesting the way they did it um i showed it to another uh friend of mine who's uh, heavily into comics and he said it reminded him a little bit of the way that the uh some of the the comics that have a lot of writing involved where they'll have uh you know three or four pages of pictures and then they'd have one or maybe two pages of text you know in in comics are you allowed to do that would that is that pushing the boundary like you were mentioning Uh well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you can you can get away with that. I mean, I think maybe you need to be careful how much you do that because if the whole thing is just images with a script beside it, you're sort of making more of a picture book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you, if you look at Watchmen, I mean, uh, between all the chapters, uh, there's prose, right? So mm-hmm. every for every single issue of Watchmen, Alan Moore wrote essentially uh, a very short uh chapter all prose based to sort of accent things going on in in the, in the in the comic story. So I mean you can definitely combine words and pictures very effectively in in that way as well with with like written word and comic page. Um so I mean it's definitely possible. Um I mean I I've done I've done something like that um in teaching English in Japan. I just wanted to communicate a lot of information about the uh the new job that the character was going to have and Without getting too exposition-y, the easiest way to me to seem to be able to like write the introduction letter to the teacher, and so the characters on the plane reading the letter, and I just put a copy of the letter into the comic, so people can read the same letter the characters reading, and that tells you the information about you know like welcome to this company, and we're going to pick you up at the airport, and you know uh, don't tell them that you already have a job, and then that kind of like sets up the behaviors for the character later, right? And in a natural way without having like really over expositiony dialogue, uh, which is something I really try to avoid in, in my writing. Mm. Um, I ran across a very, very interesting comic. Um, it was done in 1968 and it's the Will Esner M16 U.S. Army Rifle Maintenance Booklet. And uh-huh. it's how to uh, take care of your M16 and it's in comic book format. Have you ever run across um, other versions of, of, of this I, usage? That sounds uh, fascinating. I'd love to see that. I mean, Will Eisner is a 
huge name in comics, uh, at least for me. I, I think he's one of the godfathers of the, the media. I mean, um, he did some fantastic work on the spirit and, uh, and some of his later work, and he basically created the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to, to know that he was probably, at the time, pitching in for the war effort and doing these instructional uh, comics as well. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of use for that. I don't think comics are underused in that way. Um, you know, uh, David Chelsea did um, a book on how to draw in perspective, and the whole thing is done as a comic book. Mm. And uh, Scott McCloud has written basically a series of three textbooks on the medium, all using comic books as the format to tell uh, tell what is essentially like an essay on on the media. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think comics have a great capacity for for an educational purpose like that, and I, I think it's kind of underutilized. I, I think it would be great if um, you know your your iPhone came with like a, a comic book. Uh, the same way that that uh, M16 came with a comic book on how to maintain it, you know. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting because it's basically it's called "Treat Your Rifle Like a Lady," and it's got chapters uh, in it like um, how to strip your girl and stuff <laughs> like that. So it, it's quite interesting. It's uh, you can get it at uh, www.ep.tc/problem/slash/25. Uh, and basically, it's a blog, it looks like, Comics with Problems. So if you Google Comic with Problems, hashtag 25, um, you should be able to find it. And it's, it's got – he scanned it, and he's, uh, you can actually read the whole comic. It is fascinating. So I'm very curious to see um, – it's very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it, it's very uh, – I wouldn't say raunchy in any way, but definitely it's definitely got a 1960 sensibility about women's uh, position in life. That's for sure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll put a uh, I'll put that in the show notes yep. for people listening. You can just yep. go to maveninterviews.com for this episode. Yep, absolutely. Um, Jeff, what do you think of the future of comics? Because of iPads and everybody running around with tablets, there are a lot of comics that are out there available in digital format. Do you think it may be the beginning of the heyday of comics because you won't have to pay for all this printing? You can just write it, scan it, and put it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like um, that's already happening. I mean, I'd say um, a lot more of the household names today are the people that are on the internet you know i mean when i was growing up the 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 famous comic book artists were the guys that were getting published by marvel and dc and image comics and uh, i'd say today like you know the the young up-and-comers are definitely like the kate beatons and uh you know the you know faith aaron hicks's of the world who are just like you know putting their work online and and getting that attention um you know, through the internet. I mean, and I mean, just recently I was, when I was at the San Diego Comic Con, I went to the panel for Comixology and, uh, uh, they sold me on this idea of just submitting my work to, to be put into their, uh, online system and, uh, just trying to reach a bigger audience through the internet without being on the hook for uh, a large amount of printing. Uh, I mean, I think that being said, uh, you know, comics are still, it's, it's, I think comics are one of the harder ones for e-publishing because with, with novels, it's just text. That's really easy to format and, and put into a, a lightweight format where um, with um, comics, there's still image and 
you know, if you really want to take advantage of those retina displays, you still need very large files, which makes it very hard to email and download. Um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, given time, that, that, that problem will be addressed. But, um, like, I absolutely think web comics are the right way to go. When people ask me about how they should start their um, small press career, I, I tell them to start a web comic. And, and you know, because uh, the, the biggest barrier for a lot of people is that they're afraid um, the first comic they make is going to be bad um, or that it's not going to sell. Um, well, I mean, first of all, the first comic you make is probably going to be bad. So you may as well get that on your system. And uh, this way, if you put it on the line online, it's, you know, uh, you're not going to be out of pocket and it's still sharing it with people. You're still getting some feedback on it. Um, you know, you have to sort of put a few stories out before you're going to warm up to your, your magnum opus, you know? And, um, uh, I, I definitely think the internet is going to play a bigger role in comics. Um, that being said, I'm not convinced that printed books are going to go away. Um, I think when you look at some of the work that like Chris Ware is doing with his building stories or, um, like Seth's books, um, you know, there's a bit of a counter movement to iPad where there's people who are really actively um, turning a book into a, an art object, you know, where the, the texture of the fabric on the spine and the, the embossing, it, you know, is part of the experience. So, I mean, I think what we're probably going to see in the future is all those like Marvel comics, those like pulpy, um, you know, staple bound floppies. I could see those potentially going away, but I think what you'll probably see then is to take their place are going to be these really luxurious, you know, hardcover books uh, with just beautiful print, uh, print production on them. Uh, I think people are going to just buy the books that they truly love and they're going to want a really lavish, you know, slipcase edition. Um, and then if it's something they're not that invested in, then they'll probably download that on Comixology. Um, that, that's my theory, but you know, I, who knows what's really going to happen in the future. <laughs> I can definitely see that happening, especially, you know, in the music industry too. You, you can um, uh, maybe get digital versions of your favorite band, uh, Ben's album, but, uh, or, or not your favorite Ben's album, but everybody else. And then your favorite band, you're going to buy the, the one with the show line, like the, the, the album notes and what do you call what do they call it? The, uh, Oh, I like know. The liner notes. Yeah. The liner notes. Yeah. yeah with the liner notes and you know the extra stuff that you get for for purchasing the cd so i can totally i can totally see that happening mm. um we're running near the end of the show and do you have any um last minute questions for jeff uh no i, I think uh, that's great um the, the website looks good it looks like you're using wordpress which i like <laughs> oh yeah well i think uh i only really know how to make uh wordpress websites <laughs> <laughs> uh, for people that want to get a hold of you, is it best to go to Cloudscape, or do you have a Twitter account that you could push them towards, or what which um, social know, media I mean, platform? Uh, like, I mean, Cloudscape is uh, probably their best uh, um, best point because they can see all the other artists that are there as well. Um, if you're curious to read just my own comics, then I'd recommend go to teachenglishinjapan.ca. Um, and uh, either of those websites will, will take you to um, any of the other pl um, social media platforms that I'm, I'm lurking around on. What about people that are uh, 
you know, getting into comics. I was going to say young people, but basically anybody can get into comics. You can be 50 and start getting into your comic career. Um, how do they, uh, you know, is, is there a barrier to entry to Cloudscape or do you have to be published before? How does uh, that work? No, 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 absolutely not. We're, um, we're, we're trying to get more people to come out and, and make comics. So we don't want barriers. Uh, we're really trying to be as open as we can. Um, so, I mean, obviously, uh, if you're, listening to this podcast, please go to the website, cloudscapecomics.com, and you can find out more about us. If you uh, live in the city of Vancouver, um, if you uh, don't mind taking a bus, you can uh, get over to South Memorial Park um, in South Vancouver, and uh, we're about Ross and uh, 41st. Uh, we have an actual brick-and-mortar studio facility that we're, we're based out of now. So um, it's, uh, it's an old heritage building inside the park, uh, it's the only building in the park, so it's hard to miss. And uh, it's uh, 5955 Ross Street is the official address. And we're there every Wednesday at uh, 7.30 p.m. And uh, you're, all are welcome. So uh, if, you wanted, if you're in the city of Vancouver and you want to meet some comic book artists face-to-face, um, yeah, come on down. You could become a tourist destination. <laughs> well, yeah, well, wait, flew into Vancouver to go see you guys. It's a pretty. I mean, we got a pretty nice facility. It's a. It's an actual heritage building. It's about a hundred years old. Hmm. You guys should do a comic about it. Might. <laughs> Yet another thing to put on your list of things I got to get to. Oh yeah, we got a big list. <laughs> Hey, for everybody out there in uh, Mavenland, hope you enjoyed this show. You can tell I, I like comics a little bit, and uh, it was great having somebody like Jeff on here who's actually creating them, rolling up his sleeves and getting ink on his hands. Um, Andrew, what do people do if they want to learn more about uh, Maven Interviews? Uh, they can uh, go to maveninterviews.com, go to facebook.com slash maveninterview without the S. Or you can just go to maveninterviews.com slash Facebook and that'll forward over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, or you can reach us by phone at one 636 1474 and leave a voicemail feedback and uh, we can play in the show and uh, that's, uh, that's about it. Yeah. So from uh, me in, one, well, no, I was going to say Crazy TV Talk line, I have too many podcasts. That's the problem. I've got Crazy TV Talk and then we got the Bunker Show and then I got my book show and now yet another show. So from everybody out there in uh, Mavenland, it's Sayonara from Bob. And from Andrew, I'm going to say, or what am I going to say this time? I don't know. Go French. Uh, French. Arrivederci, that's Italian. Uh, that's, what I said. that's what I said last time. Uh, uh, this is this ongoing theme. It's becoming a nightmare. It's like, God, yeah, and you know what? I, I, can I, say always, goodbye. I always forget about it until the end of the show. And the <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a language that I've prepared. But, I wonder uh, if there's a bon, bon voyage. I'll go with the French. Bon voyage. Very, very nice. Jeff, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, have a good night, guys. We hope you enjoyed the show, and I'm sure you will love our next guest, but until then, visit the website at maveninterviews.com for more information and links to iTunes, Twitter, and other social media platforms. If you would like to leave a message, please call 1-877-636-1474. You never know, it might be you featured on the show. 